My favorite piece of advice, which I seem to be talking a lot about in every time, please don't be afraid to pivot. Hmm. I find that that's another lesson I, I learned and I'm so grateful for it is I find sometimes as entrepreneurs or small businesses, we, we sometimes think we know best or this is really what we want to do and we want to launch it this way and we want to implement it into the market this way and we're not going to change it and you know sort of we get stuck in our ways and become stubborn because we are the founder right which is logical it's not that it's not um but don't be it's okay to pivot it's okay to change right it's okay to say oh, maybe I need to move 10% to the right and maybe I need to go 20% to the left and just have that sense of flexibility and not be afraid of it. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now, today we've got another great guest on the podcast, Karina Mueller. And uh, Karina started out uh, originally growing up in Argentina. Um, family moved uh, all around the world, uh, moved around the world with their family, and then uh, settled down a bit in the U.S. Uh, going into high school, um, but still went back and forth uh, between Argentina and then a little bit in Israel as well. Um, so went to high school and uh, studied uh, co er, for college in uh, France and uh, got a few different uh, degree or majors, including political science and history. Um, thought she wanted to be a lawyer, came from a, a, a lot of lawyers in the family, uh, moved to Paris, found out she didn't want to be a lawyer, um, ended up working in uh, retail and fashion, uh, focused on apparel and uh, product development. Also did a lot of traveling around uh, the Asia area and around the world. Um, and then uh, transition to what she's doing with her current business. So with that much as a uh, introduction, welcome on the podcast, Karina. Thank you, Devin. That was quite an introduction. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, absolutely. I have the innate ability to take uh, everybody's life and condense it into the 30-second version. But uh, with that, why don't we uh, rewind and unpack a little bit and tell us a, a little bit about how your journey got uh, started uh, in Argentina and then uh, moving around the world with your family. <laughs> uh, sure. Um, I, I love that you referred to I come from a long line of lawyers because you and my mom, both uh, intellectual property attorneys. So I feel like it's full circle that we're having this conversation. Devin. Um, and that was actually, I have to say, when I thought I was going to be a lawyer, uh, I really thought IP was the, the law I would practice. I, I, I definitely congratulate you on that. I think it's the most fun out of all of them. I think you come across the most diverse things, right? Whether it's founders, creators, inventors, like I've, I've loved growing up hearing all my mom's stories of her clients. And um, she was fortunate enough to have some really um, amazing and major clients. So I, I loved hearing all those fun IP stories um, and also watching the transition of IP in tech, right? Which is a whole, I'm sure you can do a whole other podcast just on that, um, which is really great. but. Anyway, so yeah, we, you know, born in Argentina, like you mentioned, and uh, entrepreneurial father um, who actually 
the time worked for Levi's and Levi's decided to bring him to the States and move us around in the States. And then my mom being an attorney. And so that kind of, you know, also moved us around and um, just my dad feeling a need to create businesses and develop businesses and sell businesses. And uh, clearly he incorporated that in all his children because we are all entrepreneurs or caught the entrepreneur bug at a very early age. Um, and people love to ask how, how does in one family do you produce three entrepreneurs and just have a crazy entrepreneurial father and a mother who does IP. And that'll, that'll uh, teach you really fast the entrepreneurial track, or at least it becomes part of your DNA. Um, so that's really how it all happened. Um, and our parents were very much not the immigrants that were about losing your roots and assimilating completely. They were exactly the opposite. They were very much about know where you come from, know what that means, speak fluent Spanish. Uh, you still have family in back home. They're still a relevant part of your life. Um, and it's important. And it gives you a good sense of identity and sort of grounds you, at least it grounded us. It was really mm -hmm. great. No, that's awesome. So so now you, you see, so you uh, grew up, you know, or started growing up in Argentina, moved to the U.S., moved around a bit, uh, went through high school. And then I think you went off to college initially in France and studying. No, I went off, yeah, I went off to college initially in the States and then went to France and uh, ended up studying political science, history and psychology. <laughs> so but uh, started my work journey very early. I think having immigrant parents may do that to you, uh, you know. So started my work journey at 12 babysitting. And then at 14, my father looked at me and he's like, don't you think it's time you get a real job? And I was like, I'm 14. And he's like, yeah, you're 14, go to work. So I started my world in retail. That's how I got into retail fashion was at 14. I worked at the local uh, fashion boutique, you know, in New York where I was going to high school and um, taught me a lot. She was, uh, I, I was just actually referring to uh, the founder. She now has seven stores uh, throughout, outside the city. And she was just also an incredible entrepreneurial spirit and uh, leader and taught me a huge amount of work ethic and fashion and merchandising and design. And I really appreciated everything she taught me. So that sort of led my work journey. Um, which was different than my setting journey, though I feel like I brought it all together because I think that when you do product development, merchandising, marketing, branding, sales, there's so much psychology in it. And also there's political science and history in it, right? Is understanding, depending what markets, I worked a lot in international markets after that when I came back from uh, France and I worked a lot in South America and Europe and Asia, as you mentioned. And I think a lot of that, those element of political science, understanding the politics of countries, understanding the history of countries, understanding consumer psychology, and bringing it all together when you're developing the product and trying to sell, I think is a huge deal. So hmm. I, I, it's not like I would change what I studied. I loved what I studied, but I, and, and I feel like I really do use it every day because I don't just put together a strategy without consideration of, uh, history politics and psychology so now so now let's uh or back up and or just expand a bit so you went into college 
uh, you know, you started out undergraduate doing, uh, you know, the psychology and uh, doing, you know, kind of sounds like, you know, as we talked a little bit, your original intent was to go be a lawyer, like a lot of the people in the family. Now, as you're coming out of college, how did you figure out that maybe it wasn't going to be the legal route that you're going to go? In other words, how did you kind of come to that realization or was it kind of a gradual thing or, or kind of how did you figure out where you were going to go? I. It was a gradual thing. I would definitely say, because my grandfather was an attorney as well. My uh, uncle's an attorney. My half my mom's cousin's an Argentine attorney. So I sort of woke up at 20 and was like, do I really want to be an attorney? Or is it that half of my family is lawyers and this is what I know, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I had that sort of moment of, is this really what I'm expected to do? Do I really want to do this? Or, um, you know, is it what I've been sort of groomed to do? And so it was a bit of a gradual process. Um, and I, I guess working in retail and fashion since the age of 14, it sort of was a natural fit for me and moving into, uh, I actually, my very first startup was a trend magazine in the world of fashion and sports and bringing together my two loves because I was also an athlete my whole life and uh, played a whole bunch of sports and played some college sports. And so I was really, so I kind of brought together my, my love of fashion and my love of sports and this whole athleisure and sports and fashion coming together. And so my very first startup was a trend magazine for the industry. Um, and that was really natural for me. I don't know. I just partnered up with a friend of mine and we were like, should we go take pictures around the street and show trends and, you know, tell people what's happening on the streets and uniting fashion and sports. And um, it ended up being something really successful without, you know, being 22 years old. And we thought, well, this is fun. It's an excuse to do something fun. And that led to developing a, fashion and merchandising and product development, both in South America and Asia. And then I sort of got bored with apparel because a t-shirt's a t-shirt and a button's a button. And I was just like, okay, well, where else can I go with this? And I fell in love with footwear development and, and product development of footwear because I looked at it more as an architectural design. Um, people don't always realize how much work actually goes into developing a sneaker. You know, it, it, there's a lot of thought process and there's a lot of um you know concept of the foot and and all these elements and i i became really fascinated and that's where i ended up spending a tremendous amount of time in asia and taiwan china and hong kong um and living in factories and really developing product for other brands which was really fun and really interesting um and very creative and again putting on the hat of like so I took it from the product development and working with designers and to implementation and marketing strategy and sell-through strategy so it was great because I, I really had the freedom to do from A to Z and it wasn't like I was just handing off the design so that was super exciting for me as well um, and then you know after many years of living between uh, Asia, South America, Europe, and the U.S., I became sort of tired, and I was like, okay, I need to stop doing this, and uh, I took a step back, and I looked at the sports industry and media, and I moved, I took a pay cut, and I moved into uh, 
branding and marketing for te sports networks and television and media and be eventually grew in that position and became a creative director of a Latin American sports network throughout the region in Portuguese and Spanish at the same time. So that was great. And eventually that got sold and became Fox in Espanol. Oh, and then, like oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I went into a professional uh, golf league of Latin America because again, it was an easy transition. I had a relationship with the SBA and it was, it made a lot of sense. Um, and then I got, I was exhausted again. <laughs> I was like, okay, I've now lived on planes again. Um, so yeah, it, it was sort of, but it's a logical transition. It was, it's always been about health and wellness and sports and fashion and understanding people and consumers. So I feel like my whole career has been sort of one transition to the other within similar worlds or speaking to similar consumers, maybe. No, definitely makes sense. Now you were so traveling quite a bit, working in the fashion product development industry, getting a lot of experience. Now, you also mentioned that you started to get tired of the travel. And I think a lot of people do you travel for a while. And you know, originally, it's kind of fun to get to see a lot of the different parts of the world and get a, you know, or go and or have a lot of experiences. And after a while, you're saying, hey, I just want to settle down, or I don't want to be living on an airplane all the time. So now, as you have that realization, kind of what did you figure out what you were going to do? Was it, hey, we're going to go and approach the company and say, I don't want to travel as much? Or you also mentioned coming from more of an entrepreneurial family. And so was it kind of, hey, I want to do my own thing? Or kind of how did you, as you're saying, I want to take maybe a break from having to do all or travel all the time. How did you figure out what that next step was? Great question. So, uh, when I came back from Asia, like I said, I took, I, I decided I, I didn't want to be living in Asia in the factory. So I, I searched out, spoke to a bunch of people and, and that's where I ended up working for a sports network thinking, oh, I can do marketing and branding and be at you know, New York or Miami based. That doesn't happen in my life, Devin. So after a while, I was right back in the craziness of traveling nonstop and being a creative director for a network that has 35% live programming in throughout the region of South America and also um, having to negotiate and, and things going on with product come, uh, sports products coming out of Europe. And then they, we launched the U.S. Hispanic market. So... Uh, that took so then eventually when that sold I the only way for me to actually take a break in my personality Devin was I retreated to the beach in Uruguay for about three months and took a sabbatical um, and basically uh, lived a fantastic life worked out every day ate really healthy and just you know did a lot of meditation yoga workouts um, to try to regroup uh, hmm. and, and did that for a bit. Uh, and then I came back and I got offered being the business development uh, director for this Latin American golf tour. And again, based out of Miami. And I was like, oh, this can be sort of a cushy job, right? How hard could it be? No, 12 tournaments in nine countries. Hmm. Again, Devin went right back to the plane. I was like, how does this keep happening to me? And then uh, eventually that got sold. And I was like, great here's my chance and then um i got a call uh if i 
be interested in doing some consulting work for a wellness center in South America, in Uruguay. And I said, sure, why not do this for a little while? And then that turned into uh, 10 years of running a facility. And again, taking consulting projects in New York on a facility and operations and turning that wellness center around and then turning the one in South America around and again, running around like a crazy person and then woke up at 40 and was like, okay, now I'm out. I'm done. Like, what else can I do? I, I back to living in like two continents at the same time, not three or four, but two. Um, and that's when I decided to take a break and study some integrative therapy and alternative medicines and created my second startup, which was Mariposa Wellness, which was basically for myself, Kevin, to teach the world what I felt I needed, which is how to cope with stress, stress and stress management and living in multiple continents on multiple time zones, uh, working in multiple languages. And how can I help me, you know, that, that sort of crazy busy professional. And so I created the company after taking about three or four years to study and really do um, internships and work in hospitals. And I worked in Haiti um, and did a bunch of things. And I, I did some consulting work on what I knew on the side as well, just to keep going, but um, eventually launched my events of wellness and um, taught employees of hospitals and corporations how to deal with everyday life challenges and stress. Mm. Um, and eventually that led me to Motivity Care, which is about caring for the caregiver that cares for the elder loved ones. So now what, you know, what kind of put you, I mean, I, I get it in the sense that it's kind of where you were already headed, but how did you figure out? Cause I mean, you got the current business, you're doing that, but how did you kind of settle on this is what I'm going to do, or this is the, the, now the direction I'm going to, take my, I don't know, take a break because startups and doing your own business and being an entrepreneur isn't a break, but it's a different set and it gives you a bit more control. And, you know, sometimes even if you're working as much time, it still gives you a bit of a, you know, a ability to captain your own future and decide, you know, how you want to set up that. But how did you kind of settle in or figure out that's where you wanted to go? Um, Mariposa was really, I would say it was really, a, for as cliche as this may sound, it was really a calling uh, I, I, I like to say I was just sitting in my, in my computer doing consulting work, um, helping a couple of businesses turn around and restructure their operations. And I was just sat there like, I, I'm exhausted. I, this is just, it's too much. I, I'm done. I've, I, you know, companies I, I worked for sold and then worked for another one and sold. And um, now I'm doing this. And I just wasn't really filled with any of it at that point. And um, I just sat there and, and I, ha I like to say, I'm not sure how this came across my computer, but there was a, the Urban Zen Integrative Therapy Program, which is a specific year-long program in alternative therapies and integrative therapy. And I literally came across my computer and I applied. <laughs> and I was like, this is what I'm, this is it. This is amazing. This brings together my love of health and well-being. It brings together my understanding of operations of wellness. It brings together the fact that throughout my career living the way I did, the thing that saved me from being obese or addicted to any kind of drugs or alcohol or anything was having a practice. 
practice and having a toolbox to cope with stress. And I was that crazy person that got off the airplane in Hong Kong and got on the treadmill to deal with jet lag. Right. I was the person that traveled around Asia and was very careful about what she was eating. I, you know, things like that. And I think it really helped me throughout my career um, on my well-being side and my health. So I felt like, wow, this is going to bring it all together. And I then studied alternative physical therapy and I kind of created a program, um, like I said, based on what I thought I needed and could help people. And, and really, and, and the reason I then transitioned mostly into hospital work was because I think there is truly the caregiver that takes care of others doesn't take care of themselves. So really the mission statement in, in, in Married Plus Wellness is how do you educate caregivers to better take care of themselves? And um, then COVID hit and, you know, COVID was a huge challenge because my business was all in person and I had eight instructors working for me and I had clients throughout the U.S. and all of it was in person and then March of 2020 hit and it's a big lesson for an entrepreneur to how do you pivot and how do you then survive right and convert your entire business online when all your educational programming and thought processes and in-person uh, contact right and so that tradition I made the transition but it just wasn't the same and throughout this uh, unfortunately I had to start taking care of my elder parents um, prior I had taken care of my elder grandparents in Argentina as well and I've always been the primary caregiver for everybody um, I think it's also innate in me uh, being the eldest daughter of uh, you know four and three brothers, I, I, I feel like, you know, it's, you're sort of in a Latin home, you, you just, you are the caregiver, that's just your role. Um, and, and so through having to take care of my parents and trying to make my company survive, um, my current business partner and I had known each other from the industry for many years and had collaborated and had strategic alliances. And we started talking and we spent talking for about a year about how difficult, frustrating, exhausting, and costly it is to take care of your elder loved ones because she's always been the primary caregiver as well. And in, a, in March of 21, we had an aha moment. We're like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. Mm. Let's come up with a better way to do this. Let's bring together all of our professional experience. She has uh, lots of experience in or decades of experience in health and well-being and wellness and insurance and benefits design and insurance underwriting and brokers. And I had, at that point, years of experience in being a vendor to companies on mental health and wellness, right? And we said, okay, and we had decades of experience taking care of our elder loved ones. And we said, how do we bring this together and create something useful for society? And that's how Motivity Care was created. Mm, no, it sounds like it was, uh, you know, sometimes not the ne necessarily the transition we asked for or the, the changes what we uh, or always want, but, uh, you know, may, or a lot of times I look at that when you look back, it pushes the company in a better direction and helps you to expand and otherwise address, you know, or, or reach new markets that you might otherwise never have explored. So it sounds like it was uh, a forced transition, but uh, overall a good one that uh, put you on the path to where you guys are at now. So, 
Well, now as yeah. we've kind of reached the, the present day of your journey, great time to transition to the two questions always asked towards the end of each episode. So we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always like to ask is, along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what'd you learn from it? It's a great question. Um, I, I would probably say one of the uh, worst uh, business decisions I, I ever made was putting the wrong price to something. I, I, you know, lately I've been talking a lot about pricing strategy and, and how do you price something, to, whether it's to the consumer or whether it's to a corporate client. Um, and I remember when I launched uh, Mariposa Wellness, I, I had this, I, I was very dead set on like, I was sort of that stubborn entrepreneur and I was like, this is what it's gonna cost and this is what you're gonna pay me. And this, not smart, Devin, <laughs> not smart. <laughs> People were like, no. Mm. And I was like, what do you mean no? And then I had to go back and revamp the entire thing and really sit down and think, okay, who, who am I talking to? Who's to my consumer? And how is that pricing going to be received, right? And it was a great lesson. And, and that led to another even better lesson, I would say, because then the flip side happened. So when I finally became sort of secure and comfortable in my pricing and I was like, no, I, th this is a solid and this is what I'm worth and this is what people are willing to pay. And I had a few years already of people paying that, right? Then I had a bunch of people come to me and say, well, I can get this done for this amount of money or I can pay this person this. And so I said, go ahead, sure. If you can get the same work or what you believe is the same work for that amount of money, then please do hire that person because give them the opportunity. I'm, you know, this is where I'm at. This is a proven pricing. I've now been doing this for five years. People seem to react. I, you know, like I said, a big mistake I made in the beginning was coming out way too high. Um, but I think I found a sweet spot. <laughs> No, I think, that, you know, that one's always, you know, it's hard because at this at one point, you know, when you're getting started, you either go one of two directions, either price yourself way too high because you overvalue what you can deliver, or is it more of, you know, you're unproven, right? So, you know, when you're or don't have a track record, when they don't have as deep of experience, asking people to take a chance on you and pay a lot of money, you know, is, is kind of uh, or hard, hard to balance. And yet, on the other hand, if you price yourself so low that you can't make a living out of it and it doesn't make sense and, you know, you're not able to run a business off of it, it also doesn't make sense. So I think that's one where certainly an easy air to mistake on or a way to make or a mistake to make on either side, but also always a good uh, learning experience. Yeah. And, and then fortunately, three, four months later, they came back and they said, you're right. It's not the same product. Mm. I said, great. Let's do this. So, you know, it's it was a it's an interesting lesson. I and and I really valued it. You know, it's just understanding that balance between what you're what you consider yourself to be worth and what people are willing to pay for your services. Absolutely. So now we'll jump to the second question, which is so if you're to talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Oh, my favorite piece of advice which I seem to be talking a lot about in every time. Please don't be afraid to pivot. 
Hmm. I find that that's another lesson I, I learned and I'm so grateful for it is I find sometimes as entrepreneurs or small businesses, we, we sometimes think we know best or this is really what we want to do and we want to launch it this way and we want to implement it into the market this way and we're not going to change it and, you know, sort of we get stuck in our ways and become stubborn because we are the founder, right? Which is logical. It's not that it's not. Um, but don't be, af- it's okay to pivot. It's okay to change, right? It's okay to say, oh, maybe I need to move 10% to the right and maybe I need to go 20% to the left and just have that sense of flexibility and not be a- afraid of it. And, and to, um, Know also who's giving you advice and who you're listening to, but not to be afraid to pivot and and move in certain directions and have that flexibility. No, absolutely, and uh, I think that's a you know it's a hard one because you know you know changing what you're you, when you start out you think you know everything and you know what the customer wants or you're the customer and you know the direction you should take and so you want to stick on that path and yet i think having the flexibility to pivot to listen to consumers like listen to the marketplace adapt and to adjust uh, can give you a much uh, you know stronger foundation to uh, build the business and to define the success so i think that's uh, definitely a great piece of advice and a great takeaway yeah, it also gives you credibility, right? So like what happened to me when they came to me and said, well, someone can do it for less. And I said, well, go ahead. It gives you also a sense of confidence because you know you've moved around and you've had that flexibility. So you can also go back and say, listen, I have tested it out. I have been flexible on pricing or whatever it is. And this is where I landed based on experience, knowledge, market fit, market tested. Absolutely. So, well, now as uh, as we do wrap towards the end of the episode, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more? Um, the best way is my email, which is uh, Karina, K-A-R-I-N-A, at motivitycare.com. Um, also, easily to find me on LinkedIn. Karina Mueller on LinkedIn. Um, I am very active on LinkedIn, so you could always message me on LinkedIn. Um, Yeah, and we are actively looking for um, HR clients. We're actively looking for people in senior living communities, operators of senior living communities. We're actively looking for investors. (laughs) Um, So yeah, more than happy to talk to people and have interesting conversations. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, make a new connection, uh, support a great business. If nothing else, uh, make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again, for Karina, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you other listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So just go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show couple more things as listeners make sure to uh, click share subscribe leave us a review helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success and on that note if along your journey you ever need help with patents trademarks or anything else with your startup or your small business just go to strategymeeting.com grab some time with us to chat we're always here to help well thank you again for karina for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last Thank you so much, Devin. This was so much fun. And thank you for giving me a voice and to tell my story. I really appreciate it. 
Absolutely.